Hey guys, I hope you're all doing amazing on your heart opening journey. And I have brought another guest on to give another perspective of her heart opening process and how she's changed. And so this is a woman that was an adventurous, hardworking San Francisco um, party animal, traveler, spiritual connoisseur, traveling the world. And she's one of my really good friends. And she's incredibly intuitive and incredibly connected. And actually, as I see even more of a deep connection within her now, as she's gone through her motherhood journey. And so she made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom. And for and it honestly, it surprised me. And so I kind of wanted to talk to her about it and like why she made that decision. And this is not a boring podcast. This actually gets into really profound, deep um, conversations about thoughts and beliefs and and behaviors and um, the process of awakening on a whole nother level coming from a new perspective with a new person, you know, because I'm always, always chatting about new ways of looking at it. I hope. And so we get deep into her decision to become a stay-at-home mom and what that has done for her and how she chooses that every day and why. Because as you know, knowing her from how I knew her, I, it did surprise me. So I wanted her to be on the podcast to describe it to you guys and, and what benefits that's done for her and her children and you know the research she did around it to decide because she has the opportunity to do that. Now, I know that not everyone can, but oftentimes there are time moments that we could create more space for that or more decisions to create more moments of connection and intimacy with our family members and change our values around that. So we talk about that. We talk about um, different ways to change your thoughts and behaviors and how the thoughts that create separation are your markers of where you are from your head versus your heart. So we talk about spirituality in daily life and spirituality, high spirituality of going out and chasing it and looking for sources of it versus just finding it within, you know, the intimate moments of your home life and how powerful the making those small changes can be daily. And it was a really fun conversation. I, I love Jess. She's one of my greatest friends has been through some beautiful moments with me traveling and exploring you know, who we are as we grow into these heart-based women that are, you know, highly intuitive. And all of you are doing that too, as you listen to this podcast. So please, as usual, you can always reach out to me if you want to be on the podcast or you have an idea or you have somebody that you want to be interviewed or a subject you want to be discussed. You can find my work at mysticalmotherhood.com. All of my books are there. All of my, um, courses are there. And if you'd like to work with me um, one-on-one, it's also there. I've written three books, Mystical Motherhood, Alchemy Becoming, and also Fertile, which are all available on Amazon. I hope you do read at least Alchemy of Becoming if you haven't read it yet. If you're just here for motherhood, I really think it's going to help you understand some of the chaos that's happening on the planet. And if you like this podcast, please review it. Leave a five star, put it up on social media, put a little post up. It really helps other women find it. And I love you all so very much. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. I am in the continuing, continual exploration of the heart-opening process since I wrote Alchemy of Becoming, my third book. 
I went through, I, you know, just documented the painful process of the heart opening and the, and I'm bringing guest after guest that is either going through the heart opening process or has found a sense of what it means to live within the heart in their lives. And so I wanted to bring on my friend, Jessica Ald, and she has been a long, long term friend for many, many years. And we were having a conversation the other day about being heart centered mothers and what does that look like? And a new way of looking at it. So we always think of feminism as a working woman that's out, uh, highly educated, out there getting getting it, right? I, I've been there. We've all been there. And Jess has too. She's highly educated. She can pretty much do anything she wants to. And she is choosing to be a mom right now. And I And it's like an active decision. And I was just thinking in how powerful it is just to know and choose and not go back and forth sometimes. And so I want to hear her perspective and just let her talk to all you, all y'all, because she's from Texas. <laughs> go ahead, uh, good morning. Good morning. Great to uh, be with all of you here. Thank you for that intro, Chelsea. I'm really flattered. That was really warm and kind. Um, I guess I made kind of the passive choice to stay at home because I had some health issues in my first pregnancy and they resolved after I delivered. But then, uh, being in the industry that I was, uh, you know, the global pandemic hit and it just made sense for one of us to be the primary responsible person on board for, for our first child. And then, uh, between my, my partner and I, and then, we soon after that decided to have a second child. So it was just, it was just what worked for our family unit and what we decided and chose for our home. It is difficult. It is challenging as I'm sure all of you know, it's very lonely. Um, I really miss collaborative teamwork. Um, it, it feels a lot like my only teammate is my partner and there's a lot of pressure then on the marriage. The reason I do it every day and the reason I'm passionate about it right now, to be honest, I've read so much research and documentation of the human brain and how it develops. And the first, I mean, there was a huge study, uh, I think about 20 years ago, with over 10,000 children and they watched, they, they compared the first two months of their lives of, of about half of them with the first two months of the other half. And the first two months of one half, the first two months of their lives, they had, they had love and support and, you know, a, a small group of consistent caretakers that were, on board, willing, enthusiastically caring for these for these young young babies, and the other half, they had you know maybe there was mental illness in some of the caretakers, and there there was great instability, and those they they monitored the two that had the inst- the the group that had the instability in the first two months of life, but then had consistent 
finances and groceries on the in the house and a roof over their head they still fared what what we would consider maybe poorly in life they had great autoimmune diseases uh, poor health you know they had trouble holding jobs keeping jobs keeping relationships um, and the other group that had the stable family and love and support and tender care in the first two months of their lives, even if they there were days where they didn't have food or there were days where you know their vaccines were late and they did have short stints of acute illness, but they didn't have the long-term chronic issues that the other group did. And then I'm also reading this other great book right now that talks about the brain and it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy, the, the very bottom of the brain, the pineal gland, you know, at the very top of the spinal cord is our base brain. It's that lizard brain, but all of that is set in the first three to maybe the first five years of life. And as you get further up into the brain, you know, around the top of your skull, the prefrontal cortex, you know, that controls emotions, blood pressure, your sense of time, but everything must travel from the bottom of the brain to the top first. So every experience, every conversation, every time you look in the mirror, you are processing data and information from the bottom up. So it's from those who you are from the first three to five years of your life is how you are consistently constantly every day processing everything. I'm just trying to give my kids a fair shot in life. Some of it is healing. You know, of course, everybody has desires and wishes of what they were and how they were brought up. You know, I'm so in in a way it's also I'm mothering myself. I'm I'm giving myself tenderness and care and love, but I I don't think that I don't think that this can be replaceable. I, I think, I, I guess that's what I'm saying here is the time of the first, you know, these, these creative beings, the time that they're first out of the, out of the womb and they need to feel as, as close and, and tightly bound as when they're in the womb, they need to feel your heartbeat still. They need to feel like you'll be there after school and you'll make their lunch every day and you'll love them no matter, even when they're throwing their tantrums and they're scratching your face and you have scabs all over. They need to feel, you know, that you're, that they will not ever do anything that could totally push people away. Or, or you know, some children also don't do anything at all and they their caregivers still punish them. And I, I just mean, it's just such a role of, of bringing in the next generation. And it starts so predominantly in that first five years of life. Couple questions for you. <clears throat> first quick question, were you raised with, did your mom raise you or did you have nannies? I had, well, I had a mother and my father wasn't around very much. I had babysitters and then my mom's mom helped quite a bit. My my dad's mom helped some, but my mom's mom helped a lot more. 
And do you think you're doing it differently than your family generationally, you know, generational patterns, which you, you and I know about and what I teach at mystical motherhood and second off, what are your values? Like, if you look at, like, if you're, cause I, I believe we can't really teach our children anything. I think the world's going to be so different in their years ahead. And I don't think we can teach them much. Cause I think they're so much more advanced than us. I think the only thing we can show them is like, I'll always tell the truth. And what, and, and, and what our values are, you know, like, do we, what do we care about? And so what Jess is saying here is when it comes down to it, and I think I've said it in another podcast, but like, if I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be away from them. I would want to be, I would want to spend that day before with them. Right. That's that I can't imagine being anywhere else. And so when I make the choice of like looking at life, you know, having a little bit less finances, maybe, and a little bit less freedom, like we were talking about, you know, not being able to, I used to be such a go-getter just to see me, you know, like, like always going, 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 traveling, needing this, needing that. And you too, Jess, like we were really similar, like searching, we were searching and we were searching for spirit and God. We'd search in the forests for God. <sighs> we would search in the rivers for God. And, and then it was like, God's in the household. Hmm. God's in the family. God's in the moments of like cooking dinner. And I can't tell you, I've searched the Himalayan mountains with Jessica. (laughs) We have literally been in the Himalayas, like being like, like chanting to like something (laughs) that is real there. Remember that trip? That was fun. Like we really went out there and did it. And Jess was there at the moment I came off the stairs in India. Remember that? Mm And we have seen God in moments of eyes around the world. And I think I found it mostly in my house with the values. And so I want to hear about your values and how they've changed Mm. because they have. Definitely. And I, I think that it's constantly shifting. And so I'll share a little bit about where I am right now in this moment at the, (laughs) on this date, February 4th. I think I really value slowness, which I have learned. Um, I did not value that even as of a year ago. Um, I, th- I think maybe my children didn't even teach me that so much as my body, just running out of fuel way too frequently and, and getting sick frequently and wondering why this kept happening. And I think I just wasn't going slowly enough. Um, overwhelming my system by by saying yes too often and not saying no enough hey do you want to meet up for this play out on this day and just constantly having something every afternoon on top of the valentines that you have to get out and the little christmas treats and the birthday party that you need to plan and um honestly i think for our kids also what they want is to return home and they want to come home to this cozy, warm, loving hearth at the end of the day. And that doesn't mean like after dinner, it means, you know, at the end of their exhausting, overwhelming day of socializing and trying to figure out the norms and social mores. And it's too, it's so much for them to manage. And it is, it, I am, I am witnessing at least that it is only right and, and good for them to have this warm, loving 
nurturing place at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, at three, four PM to come home and, you know, get some get some food ordered. I don't I don't cook that often because <laughs> I would rather be spending time with my kids. They're not old enough yet to cook with me. And I'm just I hear you on the time. It's like I just I'm making so many choices now based on what I can do with my kids. And a lot of it right now at this age is sitting in the playroom and rolling around on the floor and, you know, playing with some, a little bit of, um, you know, manual, you know, hand-eye coordination stuff. But, you know, we're not going on long runs together or texting on the phone and that will be valuable to them later in life. So a lot of it also depends on the age of your kids. That's just where we are right now. I think time is is so huge for them and having a positive attitude, no matter, like we're trying really, really hard to not raise our voice because we're realizing that it just causes our toddler to raise her voice. It's not, it, it's directly related. You know, as you said that, I was just thinking back to like spirituality and how we used to search, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of coming up with like the motherhood subject we're on. But it's like how much we've changed, both of you, you and I, but also like even in myself, like so, so much. It, the, the change on earth that's possible right now is is so rapid and accelerated and we're very very lucky that if you have any sort of connection to wanting to change you have the opportunity to do it in a day it's like the choice is there in every single moment to make a new one Mm -hmm. and I always my values have changed so much my values used to be with success they used to be with money they used to be with um, going with doing with exploring seeing more things and travel you know like all those like I'm same with, I'm sure with you too. Like we used to, spirituality used to be like, um, let me travel to the, I have to go see Mary Magdalene's temple. I have to go find her there. She's going to be, she's going to be there. I'm going to find God at the top of this hill. And, and, I, and a lot of that got some accelerated energy in me maybe, but now the values are so different and spirituality in motherhood is in those moments that I don't, I'm not on the phone or like I choose to go to the park with the kids or I, or there's nothing in between us now. There was all these things I had to do before I could actually connect to them. And, and it was like, I had to meditate to, to, you know, like the meditation even became a, a moment that would disconnect us and the nanny that was in the room. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, and I was like, we, I have it all wrong. I was like, oh my God, the spirituality is just in the values that are in these moments. Do you know what I'm saying? Of connection, of eye contact, of them knowing that you are present with them. You know, and that's a thing too. I have to put my phone away. They read it. Like I'm I'm giving a bottle to my six-month-old and she knows whether I'm looking at text messages or reading even news articles. She knows. And she wants all of me and she deserves it. God damn it. <laughs> you know, yeah, they that's so true. Me. That's so true. Like, it's just like, what, like, but if someone who's listening, it's that one, dis- okay, you can make that decision by tomorrow. Like, okay, I'm just going to put my phone away. Now that's a massive change in your house. 
Yeah. Well, tomorrow I'm not going to like in the mornings, I still have moments where I'm like, they don't put their shoes on. They don't put their shoes on. They don't put their shoes on. I'm like, put your shoes on. But they remember that one yell for the rest of the day. Right. And if I can just take back that. Yeah. Then I've done something massive in myself. And I think that's where the searching and seeking is still possible because I'm also the stage of the ages of my children is leaving me. And especially with the pandemic, it's leaving me feeling like I'm not true to myself because I feel like the exploring and the adventure, some part of me is there still, because I feel like that is like true to my, my personhood. But I guess I'm trying to translate that today to have exploration and adventuresome attitude towards how can I spin this in a good way. You know, my oldest toddler just decided to dump her entire bottle of coconut water on the island today because I was busy making a smoothie and wasn't watching her this morning at breakfast. And I just tried to have it be an activity together where we cleaned up the coconut water together, you know, rather than, you know, I'm, I'm challenging myself to still be true to who I am without making it too much for them. Does that make sense? Am I, am I clarifying enough? And I, so I think that I'm getting my, my needs met as much as I'm also meeting their needs. And I, but I have learned that and I will continue to learn even more, but I think that's also important to me is to feel like I'm still living out my purpose and who I am. Cause I think there's also this stereotype of the and the phrase drives me bonkers, the stay at home mom. Cause like, what am, what am I doing? Am I just like sitting on a couch all day? Is that what people think? Like, am I just like folding laundry all day, every day doing dishes, like literally standing over a stove cooking? No, I don't get to do any of those in the day. We are, we are, yeah. Putting on clothes, changing diapers, going to the potty, walking outside to the park. It's so active and it's so involved and there's so much constantly happening. And it's not fair to say that all we do is just stay at home and sit around. And I, I, but I also, you know, it's such a giving role that, I have to put effort in every day. Maybe it's not an entire 30-minute bath to myself, but I have to put effort in to still get my needs met. And that's my job and my job alone. My job is to is to bring them experiences that are enriching and to be unconditional loving, but no one's going to take care of me but me. And I need to be loyal to who I am and what I value so that I can keep going every day. You know, two things. So like I had a a friend in San Francisco and she just came to mind and she would say when she was, she was in the younger years, I think she just had another baby, but she, and we were both in those younger years together at that time. And she was like, when I'm at home and not at work at that moment, she's like, I, she, she made a point to make eye contact and speak to seven adults a day. Oh, wow. So when she was out, 
So, because you get so in the, in the kid world, right. And that adult could be at the bank. That adult could be at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, at the, at the park or anything. And I was like, whoa, because my programming at that time was like, I was incredibly fast. I was never good at like making small talk. Small talk was very difficult for me, mm-hmm. but I've really started to do that now, especially because of the masks and COVID and the way that people look down and don't talk to anybody mm-hmm. and like putting on my shoes. I went to the bar class today, bar method. Ooh, One time I said, I went to the bar and method, whatever. And the mo- another person was like, you went to the bar to pick up. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I haven't done it ever. It's really freaking hard. Anyway, but I've been looking at everybody and making eye contact while I even put my shoes on and talking about the stupidest things. Like I bought these boots and they've got a little bit of fuzz inside. And that's so new to me. Right. But that seven people is really important. And just if you're listening and you're in these years, that's one way to stay in your heart is because a lot of times I find I can see how disconnected we are. I used to be, I used to be disconnected. So I can have, I have the polarity of it, mm-hmm. but like the way that like somebody will hang up the phone or they don't call you back or, you know what I mean? Like, can you, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make time for those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. Now my sec, my question for you, Jess is how did you get through, I mean, the anxiety and angst as you were staying home more with your kids and then like, let, if there was any, but, you know, like the, any guilt around not working or any association with, with people asking like, oh, you're not working or, or what do you do then? Yeah. What do you do? Or like, it's like, or how do, how do we let go of society's programming and conditioning? Cause it really is a condition, a, a, a self-created condition by women to say are only we're successful and we are important if we have a career mm-hmm. and how, if we choose not to, and we, and I believe in about the next decade, it's actually going to be forced on a lot of women that the world's going to fall. You know, I don't know what, how it's going to happen, but I do think for the heart opening of humanity to occur to the level it needs to, people are going to have to lose their identity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the losing of the identity will come through loss of jobs and a lot of death. Mm-hmm. And I think that, so as it's been, as it, it becomes forced on people, whatever, you know, you're identified with being married, you're identified with your spiritual practice. Like, how do you let go of that? I think, well, really, really quickly, because what you talked about eye contact, I mean, the eyes truly are the windows of the soul. And it is, it's a, it's about connection. It's all about connection. That sense of love and belonging, the two needs that humans have, really all creatures do. And it's powerful. We can't deny that that's in our nature. Uh, It's in our lizard brain. Um, But I think also, I want to clarify and, and listeners, I'm in San Francisco. So maybe, um, maybe I'm a little bit wacky and like free love, but we are in this place of, um, being less about less less sex oriented, less gender oriented, less less binary about man woman, you know what what it looks like pink versus blue, um, and so I I do also want to say I think it's the feminine energy rather than rather than making it this role that only women can play. Um, 
I think it's a little bit ironic that we have fought really, I mean, since suffrage for the right to vote and then the big women's lib movement that started with Betty Friedan's book, um, Feminine Mystique, and, and of course, so many followed after that. I mean, we could just go on and on talking about the badass people that were, that paved so many roads. And I think it is about feminine energy and the flow of that and being open to the flow of that. And we have cracked that open as women with uteruses and breasts, and we've sought out equal pay really is what it seems like. It, it was equal rights and equal pay is how it started, but we have so many more choices, women. I mean, if we are going to think binary again, women, females have so many more choices than males, actually, I think. We do have the option to be primary caregivers. I do not know one primary caregiver that is a man. I, it's, I actually hope that there is a masculinism <laughs> that, that erupts because I want them to have as many options and feel that they have as many choices. You know, in general, men have, you know, these midlife crises where they buy the red convertible and, you know, change jobs and maybe have affairs and maybe get back together with their spouse or maybe don't, maybe they leave the family. And I think women, especially around childbirth, they have these opportunities to take some time off work, to connect with other women, to talk about home life and the negotiation of home life and work life and their career and profession and their resume and whether they want to work on their resume right now or give it a rest. And, and men don't necessarily have that option. Very few companies even offer paternity leave and, and the, the feminine energy and how to give it up. Well, how to, how to open up to it. It's, it's, it is about an opening and it is about a, allowing it to rise and to bubble up in you. And I think it can't grow if it's not listened to. I think quiet time with ourselves is, is very important. Quiet time of hearing your purpose and, and to decide on your values. But this is the purpose that I have right now in my life is to is to be with the children and to raise them as mindfully as possible and to also check myself to be as mindful as possible and to provide opportunities for connection and education. But this, this bubbling of the femininity, you know, I'm, I'm trying to encourage it for my, my husband too. I'm, I'm trying, I'm wanting all of us to be cognizant of the balance that we have. There are times to be, to have that Kali energy and to go out and seize that job and seize that role and that job title and add initials after your name. And then there are times in life, there are seasons in life just to sit and be receptive and passive and allow others to give to you and allow you know, yeah, my husband is working right now and he's providing financially and that's his role right now. And I am providing in so many other ways, but I see the, 
the work as important on, on all the sides. I see the whole entire spectrum, every facet of the multifaceted sphere is just as important. So as you're saying that, like, this is going to piss people off, but I believe at the core of all of this, like if we actually look, we know on a spiritual level, there's no male or female. And then we come into earth and we have all these layers of conditioning. So we're actually not in our natural state at all because all we're living out is our conditioning from childhood until you really, really break open to the level of breaking it, right? Yes. And I think a lot of that conditioning is also passed down from our parents and our grandparents. Um, yes. Seven, gener- seven, seven generations of it. Absolutely. And so, to, to I mean, it, t- it could take decades lifetimes to even begin to even get through a belief, one belief system after the next belief system after the next belief system. Beliefs create thoughts, then create reactions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. So if you go to your reactions and behaviors, you can think you can, you can go back into what the belief is. It, it takes, it's a three-step process, mm-hmm. but back to the male and female, this is the part uh, to piss everybody off. I believe in it's in the natural state. Women are, are, are really just a heart-based vibrational, connection between spirit and earth and we can do anything and i believe in this more natural state that we should go to because right now our earth is effing corrupt there's corruption everywhere there's corruption in every company there's corruption in every in in medicine in in education in government there's nowhere that's not corrupt but i also think the corruption starts within all of us I think in this, in our natural form, if we're going to really heal, where women would be vibrating from this level of the heart, but in order for us to be in that level of being, we have to have someone that's providing for us. And I do believe, and it's natural thing that men were create they're 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 there to serve us so that we can create children and babies. So what about? I, it, but what about same sex? What about same-sex partnerships? There's still a male and female aspect. I, I completely agree. I, and that's I don't know I, anything about this binary stuff. I really don't but, get it. But what, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I think it's about the feminine energy versus the masculine energy. Because I think in every, at least twosome, there is a feminine role and a masculine role that they each play. This is what we've messed up on our earth. Men are becoming women. And women are becoming men. And we're kind of not really getting it. So, like, if you look at a lot of households, the, the woman's running that. I mean, running it to the point of, like, she's the man. Like, if you do you ever hear, like, a man say, like, well, let me ask my wife. Let me ask my wife. It's like there's there's this lack of, like, well, I'm going to make a decision for us because I'm the man. It's always the woman that's making every single decision. I mean, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying, like, where does where do these come? Where does it come from? You know, like... Why don't we begin to question where we we've gotten to? And I mean, most households, if you look at like if you can see it, I was the I was the man in my last relationship. I can own that. I can, but I now and I'm in a new relationship and I am the woman. And there's a part of me that's still fighting being with like a man in a man's body. There's the who's that author that we read? What was her name? Do you read that book? Probably. <laughs> Oh my God. There's one of the best books. I think I, I tried to get her on my podcast, but she's 95 and they're like, Oh, she can't do podcasts. I was like, can I like record it on the phone? Like I, I would beg yeah. to be one. But she wrote a book and I'll, 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 I'll put it in the notes if I can remember, but 
it's it's about the concepts we're talking about, but not even to the level that I'm going with it. But it's sort of like if you're dating, do you want to be a man or a woman? And if you want to be a, if you want to be with them, or you want to be a woman relationship, and you want to date a man, there's, there's a certain there's a certain way you are. But if you want to be the man in the relationship, and you want to date a woman, you know, like a, a, a man and a woman in a man's mm-hmm. body, because that there really is this level that's going on in the planet that's just confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's confusing. I mean, I mean, just is San Francisco? I mean, is it confusing? I, I I'm open minded to all of it. Trust me. But I well, mean, I'm just like, where? What is it all conditioning? Like, it's, sometimes it makes me wonder. Like, they're having maybe a backlash to. They're they're finding out who they are and their identity, but that's also like that's their conditioning around. No, I'm not saying for everybody, but for some people, like. I think for some people, there's also great trauma. You know, maybe maybe I was a girl, born a girl, and I was sexually molested by my father. I might not be super keen on men, especially sharing sexual experiences with them. I'm not saying that that leads to any sort of sexual orientation. I'm just, I can understand that there is a whole host of experiences and that every experience, even if it's one minute, even if it's three minutes, it affects you. Everything is cumulative. So I'm, and I also think the purpose I'm finding right now as a full-time caretaker is my purpose and it's not everybody's purpose. And I don't, I think it's of great value. I think it is what our family decided. I am so glad it's me taking care of our children, not my husband, because we I'm it's it's a natural aptitude for me. But it it doesn't come naturally for everyone. And I also don't think that it it needs to be a box that you feel you have to fit into. Yeah, am I let's let's keep clarifying this chelsea because i do i do think yeah i like let's keep talking about this cuz i'm i want to break more stuff open well like this is this is a topic that could be talked about i mean i think this will be my next book but it's really like what we think is what we think is a woman is based on our conditioning from our from all these generations before us that like fought for feminism but how do we know if that's the real nature of a woman, because we're that so also tradition, and you know, and and I'm sorry, I know, I know you did, but I chose not to take my husband's name, last name, because I, I, you know, the times of us being property are over, and I'm still me, and my father-in-law said something like, "Well, if you know." if you showed up at such and such and they saw your last name, they would know where you're from. And I'm like, no, they would know where my father-in-law was from. They, they wouldn't know any more information about me and who I am. And that's- well, I, can, that, I can tell you that after we got divorced, I, I couldn't put, put the name on my books. So that's why I use Pritamatma on my books is oh. because I was like, well, I'm not a Wiley but my name is Chelsea, you know, like that's my name. Right. And I kept 
my name still because my children have that name. And I'll probably, even if I get remarried, keep his name because I'm not going to keep confusing myself, you know? And it doesn't like at that point, like, am I going to take on someone else's name? You know, that doesn't make any sense either. And so I don't know what I'll do, but I put down Pritam Atma on my books, even though that's not even me. And people are like calling me Pritam. And it's like, well, no, you don't understand. Like I got in this situation, I was meditating and I was like, what the hell do I name these books? Because I I don't know who I am anymore. And I'm not even that name either. So are you, did it? Did so just put them all under Pritam Atma. Yeah. Your identity was a little bit shaken after that. And my identity has been shaken and shaken and shaken. So there's just no more identity. Like, you know, there's just, there's becoming less and less and less, even with the name Pritamatma. What is, the, what the hell? Well, I you think that's, what am I going to do later? If I keep writing books, am I going to be another Pritamatma? You know, <laughs> I think that's the beauty of age and how it, it breaks our ego down. Cause really name is ego also. And my mom was like, oh, I bet you're not going to change your name because you're just really into your career. And I was like, well, that's not really it either. I mean, I, but, and really I didn't like how she phrased it because it made me feel like I was egocentric. Like, well, I'm not, I'm not that big of a, you know, I'm not that egocentric, but, uh, but apparently I am, you know, because it's this thing that I'm holding on to, but you know, life does that to you. It breaks it chips away and chips and chips away. So in some ways I'm really happy to hear that you're that you're thinking flexibly and you're you're allowing yourself to be flexible with life, you know. You know, I want to give the example back to like thoughts and flexibility because it's mm-hmm. so important in marriages and in in relationship and, and in friendships. So I have to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you the story of what happened yesterday because I called Jess and that's why we're even on this podcast. So my partner flooded the bathroom, okay? <laughs> and I was so mad because I just reconstructed my the house and it was it's pristine. And then it started to flood into the kitchen because we live in this like ancient house now. And so I go, and then he goes directly to work and then we didn't get to talk about it. It just like happened, right? So I go into the story. So my story is he's a child. He flooded the house and Jess is like, oh God, you know, and then I didn't. And so I was like, I was literally so angry. I was like, going to go to another house. I was just going to leave. You know, I was like that. And that's my fight or flight. So here's this. This is why I want to explain this is a good teaching opportunity. So I, I have a story in my mind that creates a sense of separation. So you know that you're not in your heart when you're separating yourself from another And so you have to go in. So that's the, when you really become conscious, you say, okay, I'm, I'm creating a story that's creating separation. My body's going into fight or flight Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be around that person, place or thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know that you're in a story Mm -hmm. and then you can call your friends and you can tell them the story and they're going to confirm your story because they're going to confirm whatever story you want to create. And you'll call the people that will confirm your belief. Mm -hmm. So if you go back into it, I then have these thoughts around it. And then I go back again, remember, because you have a belief system, then you have thoughts that create it, and then you have um, the behaviors or actions. So I go back into it and I I, I created a story that he flooded it because he wasn't paying attention. And it wasn't that. We had a conversation. Instead of reacting the same way, I went and spoke to him. And it was a hole in the bathtub because we just moved here. And there's a freaking hole in the bathtub. So I can see how he flooded it, but it, my story didn't make, it didn't add up. So I thought he was a child. You look Mm -hmm. into it. My programming from childhood is that men are children. 
And then I could see that over the past, you know, month or two, I've been making these kind of fights occur that he's a child. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with me, right? So I don't know how we got on this, but it was about like change, like these moments of changing beliefs, changing, you know, not like the belief of like, I need to take on my husband's name. That's just a conditioned belief that you have from, and, and you know, from my, my mom did it, my grandma did it. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're just conditioned. And same with like every man as a child, that's just my conditioning. And so if you, in these, every single moment, when you see yourself having these reactions or you're acting in a certain way, and then you're confirming it with the people around you, like if you love the vaccine and then you go out and you find everybody who loves it and then you're like, everybody should get it or you don't. So you, then you find all the people that don't, and then you confirm it that way. And you're like, nobody's getting it. And right. it's like, none of it's fucking true. Right. It's just whatever you decide to believe and confirm your reality with the people around you. Right. So the less people around you, the less you can have people confirm your reality. So the more you have an opportunity to change sometimes. So a couple things. And I do, so that's also, this is like reiterating the point of the brain being the lizard brain and your thoughts moved up from the bottom. It, it brought up trauma from your childhood, however young you were. It, it sparked those memories of how you had been traumatized. And, and the lesson that you learned from all of that was that men are children. And, and so last night you sent a text saying, I created it all. Everything's good. We're good. <laughs> how did you bring your, you know, from a, from biological perspective, how did you bring the thoughts up to your prefrontal cortex from a spiritual perspective? How did you live out of your heart? How did you do that with him in the conversation? Because what, what I hear you saying now is that for the last month or two, you had been living out of your brain, specifically your lizard brain, your pineal gland. How did you bring it back to your heart? So first off, my current partner is nothing like what I was conditioned to, to be with. So he's challenging me on a level that I have never been challenged before by just being in my presence mm -hmm. because he's not the man that I'm normally with. He loves me and he loves the kids and he's present and he's doing everything I've always wanted. But on my conditioning level, he's not what I thought I should be with, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to say something that's really crucial for all women to know. As you go through this heart-opening experience and healing process, how do I say it? You're so powerful that you can create anything you want to occur. So you can make a saint into a sinner. You can make the man in front of you that isn't your father or isn't your mother, or even the woman in front of you that isn't your father or isn't your mother into those people mm -hmm. through your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the more precise and highly connected you are, the faster it occurs. Mm -hmm. And so what I saw yesterday is this random occurrence was he, he flooded the bathroom, right? Now, has this ever happened in his life? Never, ever. Right. And of course it happens here with us. And then of course you connect that only children flood bathtubs. Right. Because it is true. So I was like, wow, I believe so accurately that he, you know, like I believe that men are children that I'm making this man in this house flood bathtub, you know, like, or like I made it happen. Like I know I did. 
Like mm. I, cause I know I did because I'm seeing more often the, the more connected I am to my heart, the faster my thoughts are occurring. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, back to a slow conversation, I used to be very fast and reactive and move quickly. And so like, even at the bar, you know, method I'm talking about, like I used, I would just run out the door because I got somewhere to go. I got to go to the grocery store. I got things to do. You know, I don't have time for this mm-hmm. busy. Right. And now I'm like, Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? You want to get a coffee? Like slow walks. Um, and yet what I did differently yesterday is I saw, this is how I'm going to teach them my next book. You got a belief, thought, a behavior. I saw my behavior was, um, creating a separation. So you know that you're in a story back to the teaching, you know, you're in the story when you're creating a sense of separation between somebody. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, where am I creating separation? So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go talk to him slowly about how the water got out of the bathtub. So I said to him, like, was there water out of the bathtub before you got in? Was there water when you got in? Was there water when you got out? So we had to like, almost like talk through it. I would have never had that conversation. The old me would have never taken the time to ask, like, when did the water get out of the bathtub? It was, as I assumed, he just sprayed it all over the room. (laughs) And he didn't, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, I'm a mega bitch. Still, sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's that's too mean. That's not, that's not nice. I'm not. I, I just, I saved the relationship again. You know, I chose my heart. I let the story go and we had an amazing dinner and we had this like amazing night and we had wine together and like great conversation. And I was like, wow, I just chose my heart. I didn't create separation. And then again with my sister this morning, there was a moment where like, I was like, she was a little short on the phone with me and I was like, oh, sister resents me. Right. And then I was like, okay, so I'm having a thought that's creating separation is that thought true? I went back to the belief system. So I just started to change the thoughts in my mind. And I said, no, sister loves me. Sister loves me. Sister loves me. Right. Immediately sister then starts to text me. So I can see in these, any thoughts that create separation are not in my heart and it doesn't feel true to me. And it makes me feel anxious and upset and, and it's not accurate. It's not true to my nature anymore. Mm. So the more I'm getting in my heart and the more I'm slowing down, the more I can catch the thoughts that create the separation. Mm. And that for anyone listening, it's, it can happen any moment. It's like when you don't have time because you have to run errands or you don't, you can't call your mom back because you're busy or you, I don't know, pick your poison, right? Mm. You agree? Absolutely. Self, uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. And I think also the attitude in which we present is palpable. It's about so many things. It's about tone of voice because it's not, it's on the phone. It's not even necessarily the facial expressions or you can see the changing background and, you know, in the back of the FaceTime and you're like, oh, wow, they're, they're really running around doing all sorts of things. I think it's, you know, when you're listening to the radio, when you're listening to podcasts, you can hear whether the people are smiling or not. People pick up on every little thing. And I think we, even six month olds, and I think we trivialize or we, we do it to check a box. Like, Oh, let me, let me call that person back while I'm doing 8,000 other things. They can tell. And there is that unspoken message that, Oh, I'm, I'm not really that important. So 
it, you know, this, this conversation doesn't really matter. And I do, oh man, I think that's into that thought. And because I just was immediately reminded of you talking about how different you are in this relationship. And we've all had exes, whether they were ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands, ex-partners, whatever. And do you think it's strictly that you chose someone opposite from what, who had you had chosen in the past? Or is it, how, how much is it that you chose differently versus you have changed? Well, if I hadn't had changed, I wouldn't be able to be with the partner I'm with. And I accurately described the, in Alchemy of Becoming the, my post-divorce experience and, and the pain I had to go through to open my heart to actually. So I had to fully go through all of my childhood wounds and, and conditioning because the man I'm with right now is not my father he, and he's mm-hmm. not my mother, but I was creating him to be so. And, and as a result of that, creating separation. And then I was naturally going back to finding my father, right? Because I was like conditioned to do so. And even my first husband was my father in a different form. But I was like, and until I recognized that I was so conditioned, that did I break open? And that's what you're all going to go through. I mean, to a level like you are, I promise you, or you would not be listening to this. And that's awakening. It's like, you'll just see how, what a bullshit your life is. It's like, it's like, oh my God, all I'm doing is functioning at the level of my childhood conditioning, good or bad or whatever. Right. And, and I'm and when, once you realize that you were ignorant of this level of programming, that you don't even know who you are because you're, there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. And so my book, Alchemy Becoming, really documented this really, I did it really quickly and it may take 10 years or 15, 25 for other people. But I mean, I had also had 10 years of practice to get there. Yeah. I should give that some credit. Um, right. But That's the three true. years I went through was like fire and chaos and, and everything. But that chaos, and as you go through it, and I've said it a million times and every time it comes out in a different way, but it's in order for the conditioning to break. So let's say you have a moment in your childhood, back to what we were talking about earlier, and um, you you file it away and you don't think it's affecting you. So you're actually living life. Like I didn't know I was bothered by anything in mm-hmm. my in my life. I was living along and then tell the world, like drop fire on me. I was like, oh, there's a lot I haven't recognized about myself. I didn't know that that my father bothered me. I didn't know my mother bothered me. I didn't know that wasn't okay that my grandma did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand those things until I looked at them. And so what will happen on a level to all of you is that these chaotic moments, people will come in that represent different parts of your past, whether you want it or not, it's going to happen. And so you, you think it's outside of you. You think it's them it's them. They're creating it. They're creating it. Right. And it's like, no, you haven't dealt with it. So you're attracting it. And your belief system is so strong that your thoughts then create it. And then you have a behavior that's either internal or external. So back, I hope I'm making that's everything. That's everything. That is our entire life. It's the bathtub yesterday. The behavior, the, 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 the environmental behavior was outside Mm -hmm. of me, but because I'm a powerful woman that can do Mm -hmm. anything, Mm-hmm. And even more in my power now, I can create a man to to, to flood the bathtub mm-hmm. and, and, and confirm my belief around it. You would be with, 
right? And I think that's this sense of agency. It's like the feminine energy can also, is so strong. It is so powerful that it is, it is your sense of agency. It makes things happen right then. It, and you might not even see it, but there are so many behind the scenes operations that we do not get. And it might take six months for it to come onto your doorstep, or it might take six years. But that feminine nature is the fierce fighter that brings things into your life. And I, for so long, our culture has accepted that that is masculine, that that is the goer, the doer, the the let me go and make this happen. No, that is feminine because feminine must intuitively look, intuitively see, look with the, with the dim eyes. Who's that? Is that, uh, I don't remember who, what Buddhist says, you know, Kali. Pardon? Kali. Yeah. 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 But you, you look around with the dim eyes and, and you see, you see the unseen meaning you're not looking with the world's eyes. You're not seeing what that person is wearing or what shoes they're wearing or car they're driving. You see how, why energetically the two of you are interacting at all in that moment. And you see how things go together. You see how puzzle pieces fit. And that is what is coming to a reckoning now. We are tired of the masculine, the seeing, the knowing, the doing, living on top and being in power and control. And we are ready for this intuitive knowing. And you know, like Glennon Doyle talks about in that book, that it's just the knowing. It's like you don't even, you have to have solo time alone and away to, to tune in and to allow that voice to speak. And then once you do, they won't show it up. <laughs> they won't they just keep talking. And that's how you know. It's, it's your own personal knowing. And you don't have to owe anyone an explanation. You don't. You can claim it and just stand firm in that knowing. And then that's that's all you need. And that's what's so lost. And I, I talk about this in various podcasts in various ways is that's one of the most common questions I get from anyone I ever work with is what is intuition and how do I create it? And well, I can tell you one thing, the more male and masculine you are, the more logical you are and the less you're going to be connected to your intuition. Yeah. So it really takes a letting go of that doing and it takes a slowing down of receptivity. Mm -hmm. And whatever form, and it may take you years to get there, but it's, it is, the knowing is quick and it's fierce. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like, so I don't, I'm on this road because you know, my ex-husband, but like, it's that moment, like just knew us, like we were together for almost two decades. Mm -hmm. I never thought we would be divorced ever in a million years because we were so in it. We were so like our finances were so in it, like our dreams, the way we like our children were too young. I was like too young to it wasn't like they were too young to leave, you know, like it was just like, you, you couldn't go anywhere. There's too much, there was too much on the line, too much money, too much, everything. Nobody would have left. And then I went to Egypt and I, and I fell in love and I, I, I left and I left within a day. I mean, the love that broke my heart open. I mean, I never in my life, in my life had that much energy running through me, but it was like, all I heard was move to Brooklyn and find a temple. And my, my, now logically, 
I'd never been to Brooklyn. Doesn't make any effing sense. Doesn't make any sense. And I was like, there's no temples in Brooklyn. I know that. <laughs> and I heard that. And I heard those words, move to, leave your husband, move to Brooklyn, find a temple and you'll, you're going to heal. And I, first place I got off an air, I got off an airplane and I walked into a church and it had the numbers of Mary Magdalene on it. It had, the, it had, it, it was the church of St. Michael, which is the protector of Mary Magdalene. I wrote about it in the book, but that's mm-hmm. not logical. And I'm so glad I did it. Do you have moments like that, Jess, that you've been like, I mean, that's the most illogical thing I've ever heard of. I'm, I moved to a place I'd never been before. And but I'm, it was right. But the, I mean, you said that it is quick and it is fierce for some people, but it can also be, there are seasons in my life where I've become out of tune with it and it's not quick and fierce then. And so I, it's okay also if it takes you a few weeks to come upon that intuitive knowing. There's also a holding back of information. Sometimes it is not the right time for you to know your next step. And so, you know, there are all sorts of, there, that brings about patience on the journey. And, you know, there's, there's also great, great lessons to learn even in the waiting no, it's going to be different for every woman. Exactly. I do. I, I agree with you. It's, I mean, I'm just a quick and fierce human and, mm-hmm. and learning not to be now. So I'm sure that my intuition will change the way I receive it as I change because spirit's going to, your higher self or spirit, whatever you call it, is going to guide you the way that you're going to listen in those moments. Mm-hmm. And it's... Do you, do you feel like when you're when you're trying to take things more slowly, trying to walk more slowly, trying to have a slow coffee, do you feel like you are still true to yourself? Yeah. Okay. Go Definitely. Ahead. I mean, I'm true to my new self. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm true to the the self that's been birthed through the letting go of what who I thought I was before. Mm-hmm. And baptism. Yeah. Like it's like going through a birth canal and it's even like, for me, like for me, that's just how I I hear things. And I also, you also have to honor the moments that like when my books come through, I hear a lot and I'm really in it. Like I'll see here, I'm deep in this, like receiving water, energy, fire, all of it's running through. And then there's moments I don't hear things for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I've had friends say like to me, well, how do, how do I hear again? Uh You know, sometimes I, I like, I don't, God's not talking to me right now. Like I've heard that from girlfriends and I say, then you're just supposed to listen. Just, yeah. You're learning to listen. Yeah. And that's okay. If God, if you're not hearing God in your ear at all moments, you don't feel connected. That's okay. You're going through a period where they're trying to get your attention at, or maybe you need a period of like, where are they? So you question if God exists, you, maybe you need to search a little more. Right. So like each of those moments, like that's okay too. But that's when I think of the the sitting and the receptivity. And those are times that we that we're developing patience. We're practicing just being and how uncomfortable that can be. But how at the end of the day, that that is us. We need to be with ourselves. I read this New York Times article about sex after the age of 70 primarily. And 
they really encouraged women throughout this whole entire article to be really comfortable with masturbation because that was going to be your means of pleasure as an older person. You know, a lot of times we lose the ability to comfortably sit upright and eat and, you know, we get tired of television. You know, we're lonely. You know, our partners died. We're alone in, in our house or we're even alone in a room at a retirement community. And those it's those sacred, special moments where it's you and your spirit and you're just you're just dancing together with your spirit your physical your physicality and your spirituality are merged and it's quiet still moments and that's how we commune with the divine that's how we invite the divine into us that's how we develop our intuition that's how we develop our knowing but you know Jess, I don't think I could have gotten to this point without like the world kind of knocking the wind out of me a couple times. Oh, absolutely. Only and, a couple? I mean, I mean, like maybe like 10 or 15, whatever. That's like, a- I mean, I've had just so many moments and I call it an alchemy becoming moments of calcination, moments of fire, moments of disillusion, of tears of, you know, each of the elements as I talk about in the book, um, which I should probably do another podcast just on those, on those stages and the elements and how, you know, the elements and, and how you have to like feel them and, and allow those elements to come in and do the work they need to do for you to awaken to these lower brain, you know, like to really clean out these lower, lower, lower energies, trauma, the trauma and, and thoughts, because this, they can't, we can't live there anymore. We don't, we can't, we're we're obviously there's something wrong on this earth. Mm. And if, and if you have moments where you're getting hit by the fire and the water and the earth and the air, thank God. Don't like you, everybody's looking to look at the chaos in their life is like, Oh God, it's happening to me. The world's out to get me or what the heck keeps happening. Look at the moments of chaos, which could be a death, which could be a divorce, which could be a move, which could be little things like your friend not talking to you anymore. Look at them as, moments of opportunity to find out what belief system within you created that to happen Mm -hmm. so that you can, what we're talking about beliefs, thoughts, behavior, so that you can change it within yourself. And as you said, rebirth, you know, it's, it's painful. It is, it is physically exhausting. It is emotionally wearing you down and, and there is a rebirth. It's, it is pain. That's all it is. It's just pain. And then you, you awaken to this new existence, to a new reality. And your perspective, your reality is only your perspective. And so as our perspectives change, our reality changes also. So we have control, actually. The things we ruminate on, the things we invite into our lives, the thoughts that we have become our behaviors. And so we are called to, and we are responsible for having clean thoughts that are for the betterment of ourselves and others because they, our thoughts are real. They create our reality. They create our perspective. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So back to what we said, if you're having moments of feeling complete separation or you're having moments where, and the, and or you're having moments of survival. So, and that's what the real frequency of this planet's going through right now, survival. Okay, so like I have a friend right now that she was a healer, like energy worker, but she's in she's in total survival for not getting the vaccine, right? So she's in underground things and she's fighting it, and she's out there like in like trying to get the government involved. And I just know that this is so much bigger than all of that. That like you like it's like you think that you can control these things and and like you know what I mean by getting super involved or like protesting or fighting it or, or all these different things. Now, I don't think so. Um, I think that the only thing we can do in these, like if, if you're fighting a thought or you're having, you're in this lower vibrational fear thoughts, it's like, it's just allow, just allow, just allow, just allow the vaccine to be out. I mean, I bring up the vaccine because it's such a great example of the awakening process that's available for everybody right now. And I've had so many people call me about fear around the vaccine. They're not getting the vaccine. And I had a friend call and she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm going to be traveling, going to Guatemala. And I was like, just get it then. Like, if you're so like, she's like, I've been fighting it for a year. And then after talking to me, I was like, if you're going to continue to run the vibration of fear, Right. Is that worth it to you? Is this thought is this thought process worth it to you? Because the only thing that's scary about getting it is is the fear around it, right? And maintaining maintaining vibrations we forget is very energetically exhausting, and that is okay if the vibrations are uplifting. But if the vibrations, in a sense, are depressing, or holding us down, or pushing us down, then it will. It will take away from us until we have nothing else to give, until we are completely dried up. And so, again, we have to choose the vibrations that we hold. But that's what the darkness on the planet, that's, that is happening on a level that's global and intergalactic in a way. In a way. <laughs> if you're not aware of that, it is intergalactic war. And... So you just need to be aware of like, no matter what your belief system is and the, con the confirmation reality of the people around you confirming that it's none of it is true. And all of it is right now is trying to create a sense of survival and fear on this planet mm -hmm. and bringing up your trauma, which in the end is going to benefit you. So they're doing, the bad guys are doing their job. And all of this is supposed to happen exactly the way it's happening. There's nothing wrong with the way it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to really have a massive awakening, I'm sorry, but the calcination and the level of fear, it all, the lower brain stuff has to come up mm -hmm. and you're going to, and you're going to have to choose to allow it to break you open so that you can move into this thing of saying, none of it really matters. <laughs> none of it really matters in the end at all. It's all, do you, do, is that the best way to describe Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And and I, I mean, at least what I'm told at Thich uh, Han, I always think I'm Thich Nhat Han, newbie, amateur, um, says that it is every day we are broken open again. It's not a one-time thing. Enlightenment doesn't happen once and then it sticks. It is every day. And we choose it every day. And, and again, it is a choice. Like we 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 allow the breaking down we allow the breaking open to to happen as often as it needs to which could be 
12 times a day or 12 times a week. It's not about, you know, the, the, the world, the spirituality, the, the spirits, the ghosts, God, angels, they don't know time. Time is a human manifestation of how we think passage should go. And it's a way to identify a name so we can communicate with each other. They don't know even generation to generation. They just know they're so big picture. They are not bogged down by months and days. And so we need to be mindful of things happening more frequently than we want them to, like the breaking down, the breaking open, or not as quickly as we want them to, like the intuitive gifts. And and also be appreciative. I mean, I was I did a podcast with someone recently, but like she's going through the heart opening process and she's going, she's in the pain. And she called, she reached out to me. We did a podcast together and I, I she hadn't read my book yet. So I was like, just read Alchemy Becoming. You're right in it. You're totally in it. And you're playing out all of the conditioning from the past and it feels chaotic and you're going to heal. But I was like also reminding her to, to celebrate all the things she's healed Mm. and to celebrate how far she's come and to celebrate choosing love. Like yesterday when I didn't create a moment of separation, I slowed down. I didn't go into fight or flight because that pretty much flooding the bathroom. I can't think of anything that would drive me more crazy. Right. I don't know why that's just my thing. Like the house is like, in an, I like a beautiful home and then it just, you know, and I, I was so, I was like, I was an effing victory. Like I chose love. I didn't create, I didn't create separation. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about. Even to the level of the, I'm bringing up the vaccines again because I don't have a better example because it's such a profound example of COVID or whatever. It just creates mm-hmm. such polarity. Mm-hmm. And the polarity does in the end, it's needed on this earth to awaken us because we have to know what we are and we have to know, we know what we are through what, what we're not. We, ha- we, we find out, we discover ourselves through the opposite to know that we like it or don't like it. You know, you have to know salt and pepper, you have to have sweet and sour. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's just the way this earth is, it seems like. Balance. It's all about but, balance. But once the polarity is kind of gone, we're going to be in the heart. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do then. Probably just mm-hmm. cook and breastfeed or something like we're talking about yeah. right at the beginning. You know, like that. Nothing really matters then. I imagine, I don't know if any of you guys are, uh, are as a visual as this, but like that Matisse painting where they're, they're kind of like um, uh, asexual persons with two arms and two legs and a head on a torso but they kind of dance around in these fields like just holding hands (laughs) they have like they all have like really short hair you know they're not man not woman but they're just beings and they're just together and they're loving and that's all that matters you're together and you love each other I that is like Matisse is actually probably one of the best examples of of the original spirit of there's mm. no male, there's no female, there's these things. And you're like, I it could be a man or a woman. You're not really sure. And like, <laughs> and it's a, that's a really, really, I'm really good example. Matisse is a great artist. Yeah. I love him. French, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, Thank you for coming. Chelsea, we started with singing bowls and I just, 
and, um, and a prayer. And um, I want to ask you after we're finished with the recording, if we could end with that, just to kind of have some closure around our time. And you sending started, so much love out to everyone listening. Yeah. I hope you can feel it. And I, I do want to give a shout out to my sweet, deep friend, Chelsea, who has provided so many opportunities for me to learn and grow and um, so many resources. She tells me about all sorts of delicious, just so enriching life lifestyles. And I just am so grateful for your work that you're doing on the planet. And I know it doesn't feel like work to you, but it is a purpose. It is a calling and you're sharing it out with the ether and with all of us light spirits and light beings. And we're so grateful for you and what you're providing. Thank you. Thank you.